0: Hi guys, welcome into the latest edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Wednesday, November thirtieth episode, and that means we're wrapping up the November month, which has been great for all of us involved here. Uh, you know, Jared and, and Jordan and John and all the regular guests. We we really appreciate you guys participating and listening in November. A reminder as we jump into the burning questions episode that we are presented by FanDuel the presenting sponsor of Blue Wire, and this show uh, specifically. And we're pumped about the OBR promo code to get that $100 in free bets at the turn of the calendar year and the legalization of sports betting in Ohio. But you have to get signed up before that happens. So just a reminder, use that promo code OBR. We are going to sort of talk about uh, a little bit of now and later with Jared. And that's probably going to be the theme of this week as we talk about a bunch of different things surrounding the Browns in this transition week because we really are in a transition week. I I made the joke, Jared, as we woke up in Jared Mueller, that it was so funny the way people were talking about uh, about uh, Jacoby Brissett. It was almost like he was going off to D Day or something, some so going off to serve his country. Like it was, uh, it was just really weird. And I think I saw somebody else uh, said something similar on social, and it's just kind of funny. But but I think what it, what it meant and what people were trying to convey was that. We're pretty thankful for the guy, right? I think I think the reason people are thankful for Jacoby is everything that happened around Watson, which we all have sort of done our deed of, of, of making peace with it. There's nothing anyone can change around what's happened to Deshaun in the past. All we can do is talk about the future and how he shapes his personal life and what it looks like for him as a member of the community. And And what was nice was that in the middle of that arguing, yelling, complaining, fighting, And the eleven game outcome, we got a guy who is a a really seems like a you know it seems like a great person, a great person, a great leader, and he really fought hard. And he has clear limitations, but he fought hard. He put his body on the line week in and week out. And I think that you know, although the talk is kind of corny, and it's like again, you get this idea of where almost like you're you're like this guy's getting put out to pasture. I think what people are trying to convey is an immense amount of respect, and and I hope he felt. It seemed like he felt that, right? absolutely and i
1: think uh, on a side note i love now and laters you know nice and hard they soften they're just it's a great you know it's kind of like gum but not gum it's great taffy all that stuff yeah and i think you know even for jacoby Brissett, not to try to be too cheesy but there is a little bit of now and later to this like when he goes into this offseason as a free agent he is a player who as long as there's no injuries or anything like that is his last game is beating tom brady and the tampa bay bucks in overtime with uh David and Joku catch and an Amari Cooper catch, right? Like those are the two lasting memories of the last game. He's probably going to start for the Cleveland Browns, and and so for him, it was now. There's a win. It puts him in a position that they they could get to ten wins in the season. But later is now Jacoby Brissett in maybe a better position than Geno Smith was as kind of a bridge quarterback. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, we'll talk about some of those guys here in a second. But is he now in a position, you know, he took a one-year, basically $5 million contract. Is he now in a position to get a two-year, 20-some, 30-some? Like, what does that number look like for Jacoby Brissett? And you're right, the character of Brissett. Um, you know, has carried the day for those players in that locker room. You heard it from a lot of them. Jadavian Clowney is one, uh, but you heard it across the board that Brissett really was the stabilizing factor uh, for the team as they struggled on defense and special teams. The offense kept
0: them in games. And We talked about this expectation stuff before the year, right? Right. Like, all of these games, this game was actually one of the few games that felt like the expectations we had before the year where the defense was playing well, and we'll talk about that a bit later, but the offense was struggling, right? They were struggling, and you 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 saw where, and at least I did when I went back and rewatched it, and maybe this will convey to people in the chalk talk I do a little bit later, but I mean, Jacoby left a lot of throws on the field, and mm-hmm. like this is an indication of how if you have a better overall quarterback, then you would you would be able to make some of those throws, keep drives alive, and and obviously score more than seven points. You know, I I could continue to say this about Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, is he he helps you find answers that aren't in the scheme, right? Schemes give yep. you some answers, but those answers get taken away, and he helps you find some other answers. Some uh, all the above, right? The uh, always uh, answer all <laughs> the above, but it's the best but like, answer, exactly. So you know what I think um, is is important to understand is like the 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 reason we have appreciated Jacoby so much is because he, he tilted the scales, right? Like imagine, and I think I said this last week to, to a guest on the show. Imagine if Jacoby really struggled on top of the defense playing that way, it would be a one in nine situation, right? Or one in, I don't know how many games they played 11 now one in 10. It could be infinitely worse. So it, to them, you know, to, to play a great defense game for him in the last one that he went out for. And then the heroic stuff, uh, the people around him put, put into play and all of that. So it's, it's really great to see. And, you know, as we shift to sort of some of these burning questions, I think the first one is, um, you know, th- that game with Tampa, I, I don't, I don't think it's not a good win. It's a good win, but I think what it is, Jared, is it's a really good example of their coin flip games. I mean, like if Jacoby, first of all, if we backtrack a full two possessions, the Amari Cooper fourth and nine drop. I mean, you throw that route to him with that much separation, a hundred times, he maybe drops it once. That one time happened. So that coin flip, weird stuff. And then the Njoku catch is if you throw that football to him a hundred times, how many times do you think he comes down with that with his left hand and being pulled away? Maybe two? 10, so maybe. I mean, you're being way more generous than I am. <laughs> it's one of the hardest catches, man. And especially in the rain. It was raining at that point and windy like – that catch was ridiculous. Uh, and it's important to understand that I think what we have to is if he doesn't catch that. They don't convert. They lose 17-10. We're all mad. We're all complaining about the offense now instead of the defense. And it's just an example of how the NFL is tricky in that regard. you know. And we've said it from the flip side of it, which is if you make a kick against the Chargers and you just recover an outside, and not even just recover it, if the ball just goes out of bounds, you know, you yep. beat the Jets. So it's like. I I think that that's why the sample size stuff and and people are so emotional with this. And I'm not calling it a coin flip. And I've been very vocal about like, you know, you got to make winning plays, you got to make winning plays, but sometimes it's just like, how did that happen? And then Njoku's catch was really a, how on earth did that happen sort of thing. But, but it's an example to me of in a season where you don't have the greatest separation because you don't really have an offense that's fully functional yet, and your defense is clearly limited by some personnel issues and schematic issues. It's, it's these tight games that you're putting yourself in. Some of them are going to go the wrong way. This was an example of it going the right way and how the margin for error between this team being six and five right now, or four and seven is so razor thin, man. It is. I mean, you talked about those two, those plays, even, you know, in overtime,
1: third and four miles Garrett offside neutral zone infraction, I'll tell you the one that told, I really believe the game was over. Promise you this Tom Brady gets rushed, is going down, shovels a pass forward as he's falling down to the running back who gets 10 yards. And I'm like, that is absolutely, this game is over. It's just not, it's not going to work. Tom Brady's got this. And then, Oh, there's a flag on the field for illegal use of hands to miles Garrett's face. Like there are so many ways that, we can break it down to you know in basketball they talk about clutch shots and all of that. It, it just worked, right? When you talk about a, a coin flip game, it's understanding that sometimes little things—again, uh, they actually call the penalty on someone blocking Miles Garrett. How often does that happen? How often does Tom Brady miss Mike Evans on what probably would have been a, a walk-in touchdown? Um, yep. You know, on a—I think there was a couple of those. And so those coin flip games, we don't, again, you don't dismiss the win because they stuck in it, right? They stayed with it. So Nick Chubb got 26 carries, right? Like the cream hunt isn't showing it. So he only got five, um, you know, they somehow got Anthony Schwartz involved. Tom Brady is 29 for 43 and somehow they don't give up a hundred yards rushing. I, I don't totally understand how you only rush the ball 28 times against the Browns defense, but. <laughs> All of those little things combine to give you this. Martin Emerson broke up a pass to Brashard Perryman that if if it was an inch in front, Perryman probably pulls in on the sideline, right? So, yes, yep, it right. is a coin flip game. It's understanding what happened. A lot of things went the Browns' way that normally don't, right? The Cooper drop is one of the few that didn't go their way, but they pulled off a victory against Tom Brady who has a lot of good weapons uh, with an offensive line that's falling apart a little bit uh, and a defense that seems
0: more uh, name than game at this point in time. It's just, I want to do perspective stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think that's imperative to sometimes look at it and and show how this game they won. It's cool. We're happy. We're all elated, but it is like, man, the the razor for, for (laughs) making that happen, doesn't change how hard they played. It doesn't change. A lot of different things and and you know that Tampa team is a is a Super Bowl contender man they're they're going through their own offensive struggles and I know they're five and six but if that team gets in at nine and eight and they start clicking you know I'm that that's a that's a real Super Bowl contending team and that defense is legit man I mean they're loaded so it's a it's a good win but it's just in another example of how one or two plays certainly swings everything so um I think what we also should look at this isn't really a burning question. I think we have a question off of this point. The, the the Jacoby signing in the off season. The Browns have been pounded for a lot of different mistakes, right? Like Sure. It's certainly the defensive tackle group, right? And 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 trading down in the draft. I mean, even though Martin Emerson's worked out well, but taking Cade York in the 4th round and how that's playing out. And it's just a lot of different people with a lot of different gripes. But you got to look at some things they've done well too. Amari's at the top of that list. DPJ in a six round selection, you know, they've done some good things here over time. I mean, there's a lot more examples than what I'm just saying, but I think what's most interesting here is this quarterback situation in the offseason because it could have been a disaster. Jared, they could have kept Mayfield, tried to resurrect that while trading for Watson. They go sign Jacoby Brissett. And I think you have the list. Like, I don't think there was a better quarterback move in the offseason. And just to downplay that and say well you know they got lucky or something no like that getting that right the way they have for these 11 games and they're only 4 and 7 and their sl- their playoff hopes are still slim but getting that right put them in a position to maybe have been 6 and 5 right that's a huge thing i mean especially considering i mean list off other quarterbacks who switch teams and have started
1: yeah russell wilson multiple first round picks second round picks uh and some players to the broncos been terrible Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third round pick. Been terrible bench for an undrafted free agent. Deshaun Watson, by the way, I'm looking at CBS Sports' ranking. So that was one, two, and three. Number Mm -hmm. four, Jameis Winston can't get back on the field after being injured. Uh, The red rifle, Andy Dalton now has his place. Carson Wentz, it was a unique trade, but they gave up a couple of mid-round picks, uh, a third and a conditional third, and then they exchanged second round picks. So it's a little bit different, but basically two third-round picks. One could become a second-round pick. Carson Wentz benched for Taylor Heineke. Mitchell Trubisky, two years, $14 million, benched for uh, small hands, Kenny Prickett. Uh, Bills traded for Case Keenum. They really haven't needed him. Dolphins signed Teddy Bridgewater. He played a little bit. They lost every game that Tua Tagovailoa did not finish. Marcus Mariota, they barely let him throw passes in Atlanta. Jacoby Brissett is number 10 on this list and, and is by far the cheapest player. Um, Excuse me. Uh, The Seahawks acquired Drew Locke in that Russell Wilson deal, but Geno Smith is their starter. Tyrod Taylor, two years, $11 million has not really played in New York. And you can add on top of that, Aaron Rodgers uh, trying to force his way out of green Bay, then getting a huge contract with a no trade clause. And he looks like he is done at least at this point in time,
0: every single one of those quarterbacks, Jacoby yeah. Brissett has been better this year. Yeah. 1,000,004, 4.65. <sighs> um, uh, sorry. One year four, basically one year, $5 million contract. That's that's um, that's ridiculous. It's really, <laughs> great. it's really great, you know, because this is their first quarterback evaluation. They, they didn't do the Mayfield evaluation. Their first evaluation was moving on from Mayfield. The second evaluation is trading for, I think the Brissett signing came after they traded for uh yeah, it did. It did. After yep. they traded for Deshaun and then they they go get Jacoby to, to run the offense. So they deserve credit for that, man. They deserve credit for it. He was on track to put up probably right there with Mayfield's twenty twenty in terms of a full season. He was on track to throw for more than four thousand yards this year, be the first Browns quarterback to throw for more than four thousand yards since Brian Sype in eighty one. Um, and, and, and again, one of the probably top two right there with Derek Anderson's Oh seven, mm-hmm. um, seasons of a quarterback since the return. So you, you really have to give, you have to give them a bunch of credit for it. And I think the question, the burning question that comes off of this, and a lot of people are like, well, let's keep him around next year. I think I would say he has earned the chance to start for somebody else who needs him. Now. I think it's gotta be a very specific place, place that runs a similar style of, uh, under center shotgun offense or under center, uh, play action. Solid ground game, solid offensive line. That wide zone base is really good for him. West Coast-type throwing stuff is good for him. Um, yep. But but I think he does – he's priced himself out. I don't think they want to pay – in my opinion, Jared, you tell me if I'm wrong. The Kellen Mond thing is indicative. Yep. It's very rare to see a team keep a guy on the roster, 53 a guy, and make him inactive all year. It has not happened. I, we had Anthony Reinhardt here, our, our uh, data guy, like went back, and there's not really very many of these guys in the past 10 years who a team has kept – on their active 53 but made him inactive for game day 17 games and that's where we're trending here is they're going to have Jacoby as the two the rest of the year so that um is unique but it also tells me that they want to make him the backup and then practice squad Dobbs probably into the future as long as they can and to me they have to cut costs in certain places they can't have an expensive backup quarterback when you're paying your starter 45 million um so that's probably where this whole thing is headed and i think but beyond that i think jacoby's earned a chance to start for some place maybe tennessee maybe while jimmy garoppolo goes to maybe new york he could go out to san francisco while trey lance is getting healthy he could go down to atlanta and play there uh for a year you know if they don't want to keep mariota uh, and then there's there's the uh, the rams right the rams are going to have to deal with whatever the long term ramifications are of matthew stafford now, i don't know that that the rams feel like a major blow it up offseason team we'll see where that ends up going but uh can, there's, you get, there's can you like get some teams like Aaron you
1: know Donald saying? for some of those backup third round, seventh round picks? They the Browns have left because that'd be great. Um, yeah, send send them over. We'll send Winfrey yeah, too. We we'll we'll get you. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think obviously Jacoby has earned that right. Um, I, You know, even another place is Tampa. While it's not the right fitting offense under Byron Leftwich, um, you know they just saw what he can do and maybe liked a little bit of that. And and with Todd Bowles you know, kind of getting that second chance after his New York Jets time? Is he not ready to kind of turn it over to, to Kyle Trask, who may or may not be ready? You know, does Brissett fit there if Brady does retire and stay retired this year? I think there's just going to be a lot of places where he, he makes sense. Um, And it could be because they drafted another quarterback, but they want that bridge guy. Or it could be a place that just doesn't ever want to tear it down. New Orleans is another great example. They don't seem like a place that ever wants to actually tear it down they just want to yeah. try to reconfigure and see if they can figure it out hasn't worked for them over the last couple of years but I think there's a lot of places where he has earned that leader on the field can make the right decisions and he's been more aggressive this year um you know some of the knock on him was he was too cautious but even as the year's gone on he's become more aggressive so yeah I think he absolutely has earned that right and then Browns fans If he's not coming back, you root for him to get as much money as you can, not just because you like the guy, but because that's a better opportunity for uh, a compensatory pick.
0: Yeah, and I think Jacoby's going to seek out another opportunity. I don't think he's a comfortable player sitting behind people. Like, I don't think that's where he wants to take his career. And he, he went to Miami because he thought he could beat out Tua and play there. And although it was the wrong offense for him, it was still an opportunity to get on the field. And I think he'll be hunting that again this year, and he'll have a forever fan in a lot of us. I will always pull for Jacoby the same way people who I talked to from Indy said the same thing when they, uh you know, talked to me about him ahead of the year. And I totally understand now where they were coming from with Jacoby. So, um you know, we'll see. Hopefully, Jacoby doesn't have to play anymore this year because that means things are going pretty well with Watson. But you never know. Any injury can happen at any moment. And I'm sure Jacoby will still be ready. So we're going to take our only break of the episode. Uh, and we come back, we're going to talk about kind of looking forward a little bit here about. What the remaining games look like, and obviously the huge transition uh, at quarterback. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? Welcome back into your Browns Parlay of the Week presented by FanDuel here on the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm joined once again by Henry Eddinger. Henry is at Henry underscore edinger on Twitter, and then make sure you're following his Hedging Henry uh, TikTok, which has all of his gambling content. Which I'm telling you, if you want to make some money, follow this guy, Henry. What's happening? How are you, man?
2: I'm good. I'm good, man. You know, the NFL has been very kind to me in general uh, this season and even in the last couple weeks, Jake, except for the Browns. The Browns have been my Achilles heel the last couple weeks, but the last time I was on here, I took the Browns versus the Dolphins, and then I was on the other side last week. I was on the Bucks, and David Njoku and with that incredible catch, and then the Browns winning in overtime. I was, of course, happy as a fan of the team, but my wallet was, uh, was less happy with the, that end result there. So hopefully we can turn things around this week.
0: We're, this is what we in the industry call do. You're due to nail one of these. So, talk to me about this parlay you put together for Browns and um, Texans this week and what should be just a fascinating game all around. There's some numbers you found here that are pretty good. Hit us with them.
2: Yeah, there are a couple things I really like in, in this game. You know, I like the Browns, but it, the number's gotten all the way up to seven, which is obviously a key number in the NFL. So, when that happens, I like to look to the first half or the first quarter. Deshaun Watson was great. As a favorite against underdogs uh, in his time with the Texans, and so I expect him to come out firing uh, in this game as well. So I think I like the first quarter the most here, Jake at one and a half. So that would be the first leg that I would include in a parlay is the Browns minus one and a half. Uh, you know, the first half's not a bad number either, uh, but but I lean the first quarter right now as the first leg. uh think- Stefanski
0: and the group are so good at scripting too, right? They're they're usually a first quarter front runner, so that's a good that's a good one to take.
2: And you have to imagine they're not gonna. The Texans are, are not gonna know what to expect out of this offense. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Stefanski's had how many you know weeks and months to to come up with a script specifically for Watson. Uh, you know, with some wrinkles in there, you have to imagine uh, that they're gonna come out uh, with with some fun wrinkles in this offense. And and on that point, Jake, I think one of the other things I really like in this is Watson's over rushing yards. Uh, you know, we we've seen that. Uh, in general, be a profitable thing for a couple quarterbacks in the NFL this year: Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. As teams get you know more comfortable letting their quarterbacks run, and this Browns offense has some designs in it where it seems like there are some opportunities for the quarterback to run. And of course, Jacoby Brissett was not taking advantage of that. I think there's a great chance that Deshaun Watson does that in this game. So I expect. You know his rushing prop to be in the high twenties, you know twenty seven and a half or so, and and I would take the over. Uh, I think he's going to end up in the thirties or even higher in this game, potentially in the forties for his rushing yards. Uh, it, it, you know I expect the Bronx to use his legs.
0: Yeah, they'll put some wrinkles in for him. They'll get him out in space a couple times, and also off of play action stuff we saw just last week, um, as the as the Bucks were heavy heavy uh, committing to the run. Jacoby, a couple easy scrambles off of a man look and then off of a boot look, 31 yards rushing for Jacoby. Some call him the mini Tonka truck. Imagine when you get an athlete in space like Watson, you're going to see some rushing totals that are going to be pretty spicy. And I think you could take advantage of this first week back as long as it stays around that twenty seven and a half number. I think that's a good number to take. Good call. What's the last leg of the parlay you like?
2: And Joku's over uh, for receiving yards. Uh, I, again, a, a number probably, you know, that'll sit around 29 and a half, 30 and a half, uh, maybe slightly higher with Watson in there. But this is a, you know, a prop that I've been targeting even with Brissett in there. Uh, you know, and Joku's usage uh, allows for some explosive plays even in the screen game uh, as well. He went over this number last week uh, and it's been, it's been a good one. So I, I like it in this spot as well uh, with Watson back there at quarterback.
0: Yeah, Watson loves his tight end. So that's a great line. Your mm-hmm. first quarter, Browns laying one and a half. Love that one. Watson rush over as long as it doesn't get too ridiculous uh, when these come out officially on Friday into the 30s, mid-30s, something like that. We like it at that 27 and a half number. And then David Njoku potentially up to around 31 and a half or so. We like that over. Going to hit the tight ends a lot, especially against Lovey Smith's cover two defense that leaves a lot of middle, uh, middle opportunities in the Browns. Horizontal stretch. Uh, structure so that's your single game parlay of the week for the Browns Uh, hit us real quick if we got some degenerates out there Henry who really want to get in on this Thursday uh, New England Buffalo game you talked to me offline here about three really good ones you like hit us with those real quick
2: yeah I'm gonna back the Patriots in this spot I'm gonna be on them just as a straight bet but also you know as part of a parlay I would include the Patriots plus five and a half Belichick's record not surprisingly is tremendous on short weeks Where he has a, you know, the coaching preparation really can outshine uh, the others. So, uh, in you know, in general, the the Bills' underlying metrics with Josh Allen since this you know UCL injury are not good. Uh, I think that you know Browns fans saw some of his struggles early in in that Browns game, and in general, the last couple weeks, this Bills' offense just hasn't been the same. They got lucky really to win that game in Detroit. They were outplayed for large swaths of that game. Uh, So, yeah, I really like the Patriots in this spot, so I would include their spread uh, definitely as part of a parlay here. That's at plus four right now. Um, If you want to get really adventurous, you could even do the money line, but I'll stick with plus four. And the guy that's been the most impressive on that Patriots offense to me is Ramondre Stevenson. They've gotten him involved in the pass game and in the run game, and and I really like his over in this spot. Uh, It's at 61.5 right now. Uh, I could see him going well over that number in this game against the the Bills, especially you know with my theory here that the Patriots are going to keep this game close and even potentially win it outright. Uh, and, and along those same lines, again, building these same game parlays, you kind of want to have a theory for the game and, and you know put some things together that might be correlated. And because I think the Patriots are going to keep this game close, because I think they're going to have some success on the ground, I'm going to take Mac Jones's under passing yards because I don't think he's going to have to do a ton in this game in order for them to be successful. And in general, I don't think that's necessarily the the recipe for this Patriots team to beat the Bills anyway. So I'm going to take Max under uh, with Ramadre Stevenson, over 61 and a half rushing yards and the Patriots plus four, should get you about plus 390 on FanDuel as of right now.
0: Love that. Then they do these game specials on the site too, which are really fun. You can get a range of odds, 500 to 1900, 2000 to 4900. And then I like to get, uh, maybe put a little 5 $10 down if you got some spare change, are on the game specials of plus 5,000 and above, and this one's fun. I always like this first and second touchdown score because you can get the first touchdown score right, but, man, it's not that crazy to think one of these weeks you can hit the second one too, and the odds are beautiful. Which one did you see that you liked?
2: Yeah, shot in the dark, but I like to have both the running backs uh, for these teams score the first touchdowns of the game. So Ramondre Stevenson to score the first touchdown and then Devin Singletary to score the second touchdown Already talked about why I think Stevenson is going to be successful in this game, uh, and the Bills' passing attack hasn't been you know as as potent. So you know in the red zone, I think there's an opportunity for Singletary as as well. You know at plus fifty five hundred, you know it's as you said, it's a five dollar bet, it's a ten dollar bet for fun, but I think there's some value there.
0: Some value indeed. And, and they don't just have to to carry it. They can also catch the football screen pass something along those yeah. lines and get in the end zone that way as well. So listen, that's our FanDuel bet of the week parlay of the week uh, in both regards. So you have two games to bet on now uh, continue to check out the OBR uh, and take advantage of the OBR's uh, promo code, which again, through FanDuel is just literally OBR to get $100 in free bets. But a reminder, you have to be signed up ahead of time. You can't do it after the turn of one, one, 2023 has to be a, A pre-sign up, take advantage of that $100 in free bets, promo code OBR. He's Henry, I'm Jake, OBR FanDuel, Parlay of the Week. Thanks for being here, Henry. We appreciate you guys. We will be right back after this break.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
0: with Watson coming in Jared it is there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, animosity I guess is the way to put it I mean I think he's going to be really talented I'm breaking down tape I'm going to have an article up tomorrow on things I think he can do wrinkles they can add to this offense with some film evidence of what he's done in his most recent past 2020 spilling into 2021 uh that season before obviously they didn't make the playoffs there's only a couple games in 2021 but like looking at what he does well how it it it, it meshes into this offense with Watson, we'll get to the big picture stuff here in a minute. And what my big thing here is, do you think schematically they change a ton? Because there's two trains of thought here, right? And I think we've even said this on this pod. You could play out these six games, run what you've always run all year, and just let him get himself back acclimated to starting football in the NFL again after a long duration and just keep everything sort of tight to the chest. We're four and seven. Pretty unlikely we make the playoffs at this point, largely because a lot of teams in front of us we lost to. It didn't have the fortune of some of the teams that you lost to being behind you. It's tough. It's really hard to see them doing it. It could be done, but it's hard to see them getting it done. So the train of thought is, do they keep things tight to the chest and then hold it off and play it sort of into next year? Or do you think they come out guns blazing and they do a bunch of these different RPO read option, uh, different wrinkles that he's good at right away? Because that's something I'm pretty curious about. I think you could have middle ground all of this, but I will be curious to see, and the big burning question is, You know, do you think they come out with a completely different sort of structure of how they're going to call this game?
1: You know, I think they they come out with 10 to 15 plays that are different. And then the the base is still there because the base of what they do, he can just do it a little bit better or a lot better. Right. But I think you're going to see I think when you talk about guns blazing, I think that's a great way to say it. I think they want to prove and I think he's going to want to prove which does give me a little concern that he's gonna grip the ball a little too hard, throw it a little too hard, all that stuff early. Uh, but I think you're gonna see a team that wants to prove they made a good decision. And they want to prove that if they don't make the playoffs, that they're still nine and eight, ten and seven, right? Like, yes, making the playoffs is the number one goal, then the Super Bowl, right? That's kind of how that goes. But the reality is, is a ten and seven team, a nine and eight team might win the NFC South. The Browns just happen. To be in the AFC North. So I think you're going to see a team that just says every one of these games matter. We're not going to worry about next year and all of that um, outside of maybe health related decisions late with maybe Miles Garrett or some of those guys if they aren't in playoff contention. But for the offense, they want to prove the concept, they want to prove that it works. I just don't think it has to be scrap it all and kind of start over. I think it just has to be uh, adding in those 10 to 15 plays that uh, Brissett maybe couldn't run, or there was no point to running it with Brissett. And now all of a sudden you've got Watson in that pistol, you got him in that RPO uh, and you have every defender, not sure what to do.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Packaging plays. uh, I don't think they'll make a total overhaul to what they do essentially, uh, and I don't think they need to because Watson can do a lot of the simplistic things. He's done them in Houston and various different coordinators there. I think he can do a lot of those things already. So um, yeah, I, I, I will be the, the uptick of Anthony Schwartz does interest <sighs> me, right? The motion styles, the jet stuff, the orbit stuff they were doing in this one. It does lay the groundwork for some of the fun stuff that Houston was doing in RPO game, which was was super unique. I mean, they were doing RPO stuff in twenty twenty, completely different. Now the Chiefs ended up leading in RPO yardage, but Houston was a better EPA per dropback back on um, RPO throws, so they were really really good at it. And 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 what they take from that, having been the most recent footage of Watson that they have watched, uh, will, will really really be interesting to me because they can get creative and they can create rushing yards for Nick and Kareem that they have not seen because of the space that they have to cover as a defense to defend those things. So I will be uh particularly keen, keenly interested in how they operate uh, this offense. But the question then Jared off of that is the honeymoon period, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the culture around this whole move is going to be picked apart, right? There's already stuff out there today about apparently 10 of the accusers are uh, going to rent a suite and be at the which is, I'm not even getting into it. Seems very weird to me. I mean, I guess like attending his football game proves some, I, whatever. I'm not even here to, to deal with the weird or not weird nature of that, but there's going to be a lot on this. This is going to be the first game he's out there is, uh, you know, he's going to have public, the public's against him. There's a faction of the Cleveland area that's behind him, but generally speaking, the public is against him. And it, the question for me is: Is there a honeymoon period? Because you know I, he hasn't played in a while, and I, I think he'll be fine performance-wise. But say they go down there and lose this game to Houston, is, <laughs> is there? You know, because I'm reading this 5:38 article, which these guys have been against Watson from the beginning, which is fine. You can uh, totally whatever. They're trying to make a claim that Jacoby should still be starting. Whatever. What? Uh, yeah, th- your response to that is uh, exactly right. But anyway. Um, like the honeymoon period, how long we're, I guess what I'm saying is we're seeing it with Russell Wilson, where this is just, it's the nightmare scenario that Cleveland could be in. I think he's going to do much better than Russell Wilson. I have no indication that he wouldn't, but I don't think people had a massive indication that Russell Wilson would be this bad. So it is a non-zero chance that he could struggle coming out of the gates here. And that's why like, in your opinion, When does the honeymoon period end? Does it last all six games and it it hits in 2023? Or is there a time where now with their up against the wall that he has to hit the ground running right away? Like, I'm just curious where you feel that tension settles in.
1: I think the tension really does settle in halftime of the third game. And I, I should have the schedule memorized. I don't know if that's the one of those home games, but I think game one, if there's some struggles, I don't think they should lose to Houston, even if he does struggle But if there's some struggles, there's some understanding of that, the pressure of the situation, being in Houston, trying too hard, all of that, rust, whatever we call it. Uh, The second game, you know, if you see some flashes, but I think it's the third game where you, where, where fans will expect superstardom, right? Especially again, same offensive line, same offensive talent, no injuries. The Browns are set up to allow him to excel right? Those Houston teams, those four and 12 Houston teams, you know, those were teams where are outside of DeAndre Hopkins. And sometimes you didn't, they didn't have nuke. You didn't have a lot of talent there. You didn't have an offensive line. You didn't have a defense, whatever it was, the Browns are set up to, to for him to be successful. I think it's really end of the second quarter in that third game that, that really will be the breaking point if if it's mostly struggles in game one, some flashes in game two, but then he starts to struggle in game three. I think that's really where it kind of becomes that. Should we just bring Jacoby Brissett in for the rest of the season and let Watson kind of start fresh next year? Kind of weird conversation starts to happen. It'll probably, because everything happens immediately. It'll probably happen in the first drive if he misses a pass. But what you're really talking about is that that real conversation where the fan base, the majority are now going, Wait, something's off, something's not working, this isn't right, this isn't okay. From on the
0: field, we already had it all off the field, but mm-hmm. on the field, something's wrong. Yeah, I think that that leads to the next question, Jared is like, What kind of r- rust are you expecting? Now, people think that just because you haven't played a game, you're not playing football. That couldn't be further from the truth. You're practicing with the ones, you're out there, you're moving. I know it's not game environment but you're not you don't just forget everything but i do think it's a fair question of how much rust would you expect jitters nerves all of that do you think it takes a quarter a game a couple games like i think people have been all over the map a little bit with takes on this So i'm curious what you think um so i studied watson a
1: lot coming out of clemson and i remember you could see the games where he was pressing And you could see the games where he was just playing football and they were significantly different. And you could tell early in a game, if I didn't know what the results were of the game was or how he quote unquote played, I could have told you in the first quarter or so. And then he tended to, and again, obviously we're talking about very, very young Deshaun Watson versus, you know, prime of his career, Deshaun Watson. But what he ended up doing is then pressing even more. And so I think it's going to take him a couple of quarters, maybe even going into the third quarter of that first game. But I'm not actually really worried about rust because rust is more about mechanics and and some of that. My primary concern is going to be two things. It's going to be around timing, right? He hasn't played with these receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper is a unique route runner. David Njoku, like there's just some uniqueness to those players that getting that timing down will be huge. And then the other would be communication, right? Whether it's an audible or him just trying to look over at one of the guys and thinking he got the adjustment he wanted him to get with that little head tilt or whatever. Some of that communication stuff is, those are the two things I'm really worried about. I'm not worried about Rust. We know he's put in the work. Um, we, he showed it on Instagram a lot, uh, just the different, uh, workouts he was doing and all that kind of stuff. He's been back with the team for weeks now, and he's been practicing for two weeks. I'm not really worried about rust. I'm just really worried about timing and communication really kind of
0: that rope memory kind of stuff. I think it'll be imperative. And we'll close with this one, Jared. Like if there is rust involved here and he's slow out of the gate, which I think would not be an unexpected outcome at all. Even, even in Houston. Against a team that is kind of you know they've packed it in their their talent is minimal, and they've <laughs> they've been struggling for a while here, like the defense was what we saw against Tampa a step forward, or was it just what are you doing, Tampa? Why are you making this harder than it has to be, and we'll see them fall back because what you do need is that version of a defense? Forcing a bunch of punts, not going to force turnovers, nine punts they forced Tampa into. Is that going to like my big thing here? You need to win. I don't care the look of the win. You know, we're all thinking they still need to overcome the defense and Watson coming back helps them uptick toward 30 points a game, whatever, whatever. But if he's rusty, you do need this defense to be a version of we saw last week. How confident are you that what we saw last week is moving forward versus Tampa just being like. Getting in their own way, now, whether that was third or fourth down decisions or their inclination to shy away from running the football between the tackles, the way the Browns have struggled to stop. Like I'm just curious where you sit on the defense after what was a good performance. You can't take that away from them.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, I think it was a good performance, but I think you know, like most things we talk about, it's a both and. You know, Tampa Bay was so hot and cold. They had two, four, six, three and outs, one, four and out. Well, that was that was going into the end of halftime, but. Uh, still, they had six three and outs, and then they at least initially they had scored, you know, for a while on anything that was not a three and out through the first half. Um, I think it was it was a lot of 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 both. To be honest, I thought the defense seemed to be where they needed to be on a regular basis, and I think Tampa what they didn't do a lot of that the Browns have really struggled with are a lot of the counters and things to get kind of the overaggressive players out of position right they didn't do a lot to leverage against the stupidity of the browns they didn't do a lot of eye candy in front of so that grant delpit came down or john johnson came down and then this player was available you know in the in the void in the cover 3 or whatever they just didn't do a lot of that tampa tends towards they have really talented receivers and mike evans julio jones and chris godwin So, and they've got some decent offensive linemen at times. So they went, they kind of go with talent over scheme a little bit. Um, And the Browns were able to kind of match up with a lot of that uh, quite often and Tampa Bay struggled. So I think Houston just gives them another kind of elixir for that because Houston's not a very talented team. uh, And I wouldn't say they are schemed greatly. Um, And so I think it's another way for the defense to start to build some confidence, to start to really believe in, Whatever it is, Joe Woods is teaching them and to really kind of build going into obviously bigger weeks coming up uh, with the Bengals and Ravens back and forth. I think really what you're going to see is just that confidence build, but I don't think it was significantly different on the Brown side, more so about the opponent.
0: Yeah, they did some subtle stuff, right? They played their defensive ends in a different way for me. They were pretty aggressive rolling down uh, safety-wise and getting an extra man into the box. Not that they haven't done that, but I think with the change of the defensive ends and how they were attacking the football, it did lead to some better interior run results. But I need to see more of it to Mm -hmm. to be a believer, to, to your point, right? Like, Houston does have Damian Pearson. If there's one thing they want to do and do often, especially changing to Kyle Allen at quarterback, like they want to they want to run it and they're going to challenge Cleveland in every way shape and form to run the football. We need to see extended periods of time where the Browns stop the run before we really believe that this is a a team that can hold groups of talented uh you know pass catchers and run you know football uh you know running backs here to 17 points on some sort of consistent basis. So, a great performance, but hey, we need more evidence and I yep. think that's pretty fair to say at this point. So, we'll wrap this one up. This is another fun episode Jared where we got together to look ahead there's a huge week of of, of uh, emotion and um you know, all of it this is the first game of what is the future of the browns quarterback position and franchise direction so there's a lot on the line and it's a good opponent to start with to be honest and we'll see if they but it's also a very dicey one that if you were to somehow lose that game it would be really di- you know i'm not going to go there but um we'll see i think a lot of good topics covered here jared we appreciate your uh, input and insights my friend
1: Absolutely, brother. It's always good to talk to you and you're always great to have a bunch of different J named guys on your show. That's
0: right. I, I stick to a very specific type. I didn't even think of that. So <laughs> yeah, we'll try to expand our names next year. Anyway, listen, thanks to Jared for showing up doing this pod. You guys listening to it as always. Check out the OBR. Should some good content up for your Wednesday consumption. Check that out. And if you miss Chalk Talk on Tuesday night, you can go back and find that on the OBR's Twitch channel to uh get the insights on all the stuff that happened, both offensive line, scheme, defense. All the above. So we appreciate you guys stopping by. Have a great Wednesday! Thank you again. Shout out to Fanduel, our presenting sponsor. We'll be back tomorrow with Jordan to talk around, uh, talk about around the NFL stuff. So join us then. Thanks, guys. Have a great Wednesday. Go Browns!